Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where there is no offseason, and we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on the 29th day of June 2017 from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Hey, I got a bunch of things we're going to talk about today on this episode. Uh, I am going to be dropping a couple more bonus teams that should have won as I'm trying to get all those off the deck. Uh, we did the White Sox the other day. We're going to do another one today, which is of a team that is having a much better year than I think any of us thought was going to happen. But anyway, let's get down to brass tacks here. Uh, the On today's game, there was a game between the, the Nationals and the Cubs. And the Nats had a lead in the ninth inning and the bullpen imploded. And I watched the end of that game where the Cubs, who have been stubbing their toe, they're on the verge of going to sub-500 and putting themselves in a position where they were probably going to be, a, you know, at best a 500 team going into July for the defending world champs. And instead they had one of those Cub victories that you expect them to have last year in the magical season of 2016 for your Chicago World Champion Cubs. And the Nats collapsed and allowed them to win. And the minute I saw it was a one-run game with two outs of the ninth, I thought, well, the Cubs are winning this game. And, of course, they did. And it was yet another bullpen meltdown. And I think it was, was it Trian who had the meltdown today? I'm going to go to my at-bat app Say that 40 times fast, and I'm going to click here, and I'm going to tell you exactly who got the loss in that game. But it almost doesn't matter. It was uh, Trinan, right? Trinan. Trinan. doesn't matter because he's not going to be the closer come playoff time. Nationals, you, you've got to do this right now. You, you, if you don't believe me, go, go up to Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is, is having another great year, potential Cy Young season again. Come up to him and say, hey, Max, uh, you played on some really, really great Detroit Tigers team. Um, why didn't you win? Why didn't you win the World Series? Well, you know, I'll tell you why. Because our bullpen always stunk. And this wonderful run in Detroit ended with them putting Mr. I into the ground with his boxes of pizza, and the Tigers are still looking back at 1984 as the last time they won the World Series, even though they should have won at least one, probably two. Certainly 2013 was theirs to have. And again, their bullpen blew it. Bullpen lost key games for Washington in 2012, 2014, and 2016. As I said before, the decision to hold back Strasbourg, saying, hey, we're going to win a bunch of divisions, has been accurate. And yet, they have zero postseason series wins ever since showing up to Washington, despite spending piles of money, having some of the best players in baseball, and, and being regulars in the playoffs. And it's becoming very clear that they still need a closer. And if not a closer, then they have to start doing things differently in Washington. Sometimes you have to say, hey, we don't have it. Maybe it's time to do something, I don't know, differently. 
Maybe you don't have a closer. Maybe you just use the best pitcher for that particular moment. If you go back in time and you look at some World Series champs of the past, you have multiple players with 10 or more saves because they weren't so worried about who was going to be getting the save. You have to do something. Because eventually, Bryce Harper is going to leave. Eventually, this run will be over. Now, it's over in San Francisco. The run is over. They're done. They're done. They should trade trade Cueto, Melanson, Samarzda, Span, Pence. They should trade all those players, try to get one really good player in return for all of them, and kickstart the rebuild. You know? But at least they've won championships. Now, if the Royals go on even a slight losing streak, they're probably going to have to break up that team. But at least they've won a title out of it. There's no title in Washington. This will be looked upon as a missed opportunity. I saw it with my own eyes, and I said, boy, boy, is, if I've ever seen a game that's going to be a preview of something that's going to happen in October, it's a Cubs team that doesn't quite have the firepower they had last year. I have a feeling they're going to sneak past Milwaukee and win the division and watch them face the Nationals. And all of a sudden, a big critical game. Everyone in Washington is going bananas. And next thing you know, oh, my God, can you believe it? The Washington Nationals blew a lead late in a critical game. And there we have it. You can't let that happen, Washington. You have to roll up the proverbial sleeves and say, we are going to address this bullpen situation, and we're going to do it right here, and we're also going to do it now. And if it means bringing in three new relievers, I don't know. If it, brings, if it means bringing in friend of the podcast, Sean Doolittle, great. Aaron Dolan already has the freaking Washington jersey that she bought prematurely a couple of years ago. I'm sure she still has it. You got to do this, Washington. Look, I'm not a Nationals fan. I'm not. There are other teams I'm rooting for over the Nationals, but the Nationals win, that would be great. You'd be able to check all those things off the list. Be able to wave a middle finger at the people like me who said you should have been starting Steven Strasburg. And you'd probably put Dusty Baker in the Hall of Fame. But you won't do that. You'll just be the Detroit Tigers of this part of the decade if you don't address this and address it now. Because you're winning the division. The Mets aren't doing anything. The Braves aren't doing anything. The Phillies are the worst team in baseball. And the Marlins aren't going to get it all together. You are in a unique opportunity. It's not July. July's not for a couple of days. You can line everything up. You can line up what you want your roster to be. You can line up what you want your bullpen to be. You have half the season to line everything up. No one else in that division is winning it. You actually can start thinking about October when you're in Washington. But no one will give a rat's patootie if you win another division again. You've been there. You've also done that. That's like a Transformers movie. Now, I don't like any of the Transformers movies, but the most recent one came out, which is called Transformers 5, The Paycheck of Anthony Hopkins. And people are like, oh, I'll be damned. 
They had opened in first place, but not making it. It had the lowest amount of money of any of the openings of the Transformer movies. Yeah, do you know why? Because we've all seen it. We've all seen it. Okay, there's robots. They turn into this. There's a bunch of humans running around. It's a Michael Bay movie, so it'll be hot women. Well, we've all seen it. And don't expect fans in Washington to get all pumped and hot and bothered by saying, oh, man, we got another division title we've won. Yeah, we've seen that before. 2012, 14, 16. One got punch. Okay, fine. It was our first playoff appearance since, you know, the city, first Washington playoff team since 1933 in 2012. It was a massive gut punch losing that series. But okay, welcome back to this. 2014, no excuse losing to that Giants team especially losing an 18-inning game. Last year, they were pretty evenly matched against L.A., but blew another lead, and lo and behold, the bullpen lost the critical game. Washington fans deserve better than this. They do. Even the ones who don't have a problem with the name the Redskins. You need to go far this year, and the Achilles heel is the bullpen. You do not have to worry about the Mets. You have to start lining up your playoff team now. As bonkers as that sounds, as bizarre as that sounds, this is it. You have to take advantage of this year. The AL East has decided to lie down like the cows and horses around Devil's Tower in Close Encounters. God bless anyone who gets that reference. You have to line your bullpen up now. You have to try everyone out. You have to go out and, and, hey, someone's on waivers. We'll give them a shot. Hey, someone's on our farm. We'll give them a shot. Hell, you have an entire bullpen full of guys who no one has seen since the Meyer Leagues. They were going to give a shot to Francisco Rodriguez. Did you see that? They're getting out. Granted, you could say, all right, there, maybe he could get a, a, you know, a, a burst of energy. He stinks. Francisco Rodriguez has this great reputation because he showed up in the 2002 World Series and probably in the nightmares of Dusty Baker, and he had pitched, like, what, three innings all year long in the major leagues? No one had a scouting report on him, and he was striking out people left and right until Barry Bonds squared up on one and hit it out, and I don't think it's landed yet. Ever since then, he's been a classic save compiler. And as a Red Sox fan, all I remember is, oh, yeah, game after game, the Red Sox beat the snot out of him in the postseason. Look up his postseason record. It's actually not good. You have a good first impression, and he's been. there's a reason why he's been let go. Because he stinks. Now, okay, maybe give him a flyer, and maybe he'll get ticked off and push another elderly man down. And, and have a couple of decent months. I don't know. But they've got to try a lot of things. It's all lining up for the Nationals this year. And you can, you can honestly say, okay, let's line up our playoff rotation. Let's give guys tryouts. This could be, the, they're, they're trying to go and be the first team to represent Washington, D.C. to win a championship of any kind since 1992. Now, granted, that's not quite long as a drought as a, 
you know, what happened in Cleveland. But think about that. If you are using the rule of seven, if you're 30 years old or younger in Washington, D.C., you don't, you've never had a team win. Ever. Not the Caps who keep wetting the bed. Not the Redskins who keep wetting the bed. Not the Wizards who keep wetting the bed. And not the uh, Nationals. In fact, the Washington Capitals making the Stanley Cup Finals, and I think it was 98 or 99, forgive me, I don't re- exactly remember the year, and I think they, they, they got pretty much swept or bounced out pretty quickly by Detroit. That's the last time a Washington team has even made the Finals since the Redskins won the Super Bowl in 1992. There's not been one trip to the Finals for a Washington team this century. And this century is approaching the one-fifth mark. We are almost 17% done with this century. And Washington has nothing to cheer for. You want to be the most beloved team in Washington for generations? Then get your bullpen together. You know... A couple of wins here or there, we might be looking at a Nationals dynasty. I'm not, that's not hyperbole. Imagine if they got that last out in 2012 and they would have faced the Giants. I think the Nationals were a better team than the Giants that year. Imagine if they got one, one more run in that 18-inning game and Matt Williams didn't fall asleep at the switch handling the bullpen. They beat Bumgarner in 2014. If they got past the Giants that year... They would have stampeded to the world championship. And last year, okay, the Cubs were pretty good. Maybe the Cubs would have had their number. Maybe not. You don't know, but they would have won at least one title along the way, maybe two. They would have been heavily favored to win two. Instead, they're going to be like the the Rangers of the late 1990s, a team that kept showing up in the postseason and no one remembers it because they didn't win piddly-poo. Or the Twins of the 2000s, who won a grand total of one playoff series. I'm not going to throw the A's in, because at least they got a Brad Pitt movie out of it. There's going to be no Brad Pitt movie about the Nationals. None. So they got to win. Now, I want to bring something up. Because this came up, I heard this on the ESPN Baseball Tonight podcast. And I've heard it brought up a couple of times. And as a potential rule change in baseball... And like with all these things, I immediately went, Fah! Stupid! Just keep playing the game the way it is. Don't tinker with it too much. But I've got to say, this one stuck in my head. That after 12 innings in a regular season game, that's it. It's a tie. It's a tie. Like Audrey Hepburn looking into that envelope and saying, It's a tie. Between Barbara Streisand and Katherine Hepburn, holy cow, no one better get that reference. It's a tie. And first I heard of it, and second time I heard of it, that's stupid. Come on, play it. I don't care if it's 19 innings, 20 innings, got to keep playing. And I do love that. I do love that about baseball. I love those games that go super long. And the fact that sometimes you have to bring in a starter out of the bullpen, and sometimes you got to throw the towel in, and then a tie game, bring your shortstop in to pitch. There was a game between Baltimore and Boston a few years ago where the Red Sox had an outfielder pitching, and the Orioles had an infielder pitching. 
As I love that, that, quirk, that quirkiness and everything like that. I get that. And I don't want to change that. But I got to say, I, I understand a little bit on the other side. I understand a little bit on the other side, especially when you see some of these games at the 18th, 19th inning and like the game winning home run is hit and there's nobody in the goddamn stands. And I'm also thinking, you know, if we have pitchers' arms falling off left and right, do we really want to push some poor schmuck reliever who's expected to go one or maybe two innings to pitch five innings when you don't expect them to? Is that good for the long-term survival of the game? And I thought, what if that was the case? That, you know, what if that created a sense of urgency? It's the 12th inning. We better score a run now. Or better hold them. You know, that could lead to a team basically trying to just prevent a loss. And we found that in hockey when the tie was there. A lot of times you saw teams that were like, Do you know what? We're just going to skate this out and take the point and call it a night, which led to the shootout. Now, I don't, what I don't want to see are things like, We're going to start an inning where a runner's on second. But I can understand the 12 inning limit. I really can. You got 162 games. And as one of the commentators on ESPN said, is the only reason you're against it is this is the way it's always been done. And I realized that's what I was saying. This is the way it's always been done, therefore that's the way we should do it. Well, that's, the, that's a logical fallacy. That's an appeal to tradition. And I realized that had I been a baseball fan in 1972, I was, a, I was an infant in 1972. I could only name, I don't know, 10 World Series winners by the time I was nine months old. That I probably would have been one of the most vocal opponents of the designated hitter. Now, if you listen to this podcast, and I know I do, I'm a fan of the designated hitter. I'm also a fan of pitcher's batting. I like Chinese food. I like pizza. I can like more than one thing. And one of the things I like is that the two leagues have that distinct difference. There's a distinct difference. One has a DH and one does not. Now, one thing that could happen that could become very intriguing, if you're in the bottom of the 12th and you know the game is over at the end of the bottom of the 12th, and you have anyone left on your bench, screw it, they're all coming up. You don't have to worry about defensive changes after that. And one thing I think I have said in a previous podcast, and I stand by this one, the All-Star game, which should be at the beginning of the year, the All-Star game should be nine innings. Nine damn innings. And that's it. You don't have to worry about, oh, it's, we're going we're gonna to spill out, we don't know what to do if it goes in extra innings. Don't worry about it, it's nine innings. And at the end of nine innings, to determine if it's still a tie, you have a home run hitting contest, kind of like a shootout. Hey, we've already determined that the All-Star game is no longer going to have an effect on who has home field advantage in the World Series. So, what's the problem with ending it with a home run derby? Now, I don't want any of that to happen in the regular season for baseball. And I think everyone agrees, postseason games, much like games in the NHL where they can go, you know, three, four, five overtimes if necessary. Postseason games can go 18 innings, can go until we got a winner. This is the postseason. 
There are no ties. But you can talk to me a little bit about the validity of saying, hey, once it hits the 12th inning, that's going to be it. We're not going to kill our pitcher's arms in the middle of June because your pal Sully wants to see a 16-inning game and an infielder pitching. I don't want... I can understand how that could be a decent thing. I can also understand if we've got a double header going and game one is in the 15th inning, like, holy crap, when the hell are we going to start game two? I can understand if it's getaway day. Remember it was a Sunday night baseball game that went 18 innings between the Cubbies and the Yankees, where the Yankees were on a getaway day that day, and, and... I can understand saying, hey, these are human beings. We've got to play 162 games. Maybe let's not have a situation where the game's over at 4 o'clock in the goddamn morning. Sorry, Ray. Now, I started thinking about that and wondering, can you convince me that would be something I could be okay with? And the first thing that came to mind was, what effect would that have on this year? And how often does this happen? Are we talking about something that's an epidemic? So your pal Sully decided to not just ask that question, but to actually try to answer it. So I went to baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. And I figured out how often a team is in a situation where they're in a game that's longer than 12 innings. And let me tell you something. It's not that often. And if you include a save, or a, it's not a save, a tie in the standings, that's not going to have a whole hell of a lot, at least in terms of the results of this year so far. It's going to have an absolute minimal effect for almost every single team in baseball right now. Now, as it stands, you can see that most teams, this barely has an effect on. We were talking about the Nationals earlier. Do you know how many games that they've played that have been more than 20 innings, or more, sorry, more than 12 innings this year? Zero. The first place Brewers, zero. The first place Dodgers, one. If you take a look at the AL East, the Yankees played that 18-inning game. That's the only game that would be affected. In fact, every single team in the AL East has played one, one grand total of one game longer than 12 innings this entire year. And they've won every, every team has won it. The Red Sox, Rays, Yankees, Orioles, and Blue Jays. So if you add a tie to everything, it wouldn't affect the playoff race in the slightest. The first place Indians in the Central... Zero. The Twins, one. The Royals, one. The Tigers, one. The White Sox, zero. In the American League, only two teams, two, have played two games longer than 12 innings so far. The Rangers, who won both of their extra inning games, both of them being 13 innings, and Seattle, who have lost both of theirs. For everyone else, it's either one or zero in the American League. In the National League, there are three teams 
that it would really affect. I have four teams that would really affect. The Cardinals have played four games of 12 innings or longer. Giants have played three. They've won all three of them. The D-backs have played two. They've won both. And the Rockies have played two. They've lost both. So putting a tie, first of all, would remove three wins from the Giants' record this year. It would remove two losses from Colorado and would inch the Cardinals closer up to where the Cubs and Brewers are right now. But like holding up four fingers and having an intentional walk be automatic, it's really not something that would affect too many games thus far. It's really not something that when you say, oh, we can't have ties. Well, for most of the teams... At this point of the year, we're talking about one game or fewer. Except for a handful of teams, it's not really going to affect the fans that much when you think about it. You talk about this point of the year, you're only looking at one tie if you're most teams. Except for the Cardinals and the Giants and the Rangers and the Mariners, that's it. In terms of one tie here or maybe... maybe two ties for the entire season, is that really going to affect your love and enjoyment of the game? And would that help a team stay healthier going down the stretch? I don't know. I know that you can convince me that. I know that you could say, hey, look at Sully. Let's just make this rule this rule. Regular season, we're not going to go super long games. And that's the way it's going to be. Come playoff time, it'll go 19, 20 innings if it needs. But in the regular season, let's just keep this whole thing moving. I'm listening. I'm listening. I think that's a possibility. Now, your pal Sully has made it clear that sometimes I like variety. So maybe this is another thing that we can do to show that there's a difference between the American League and National League. Now, hear me out on this one. This one's a little bonkers. I say that one league can't go beyond 12 innings in a game and will have ties. And the other league has to play as long as they can. And I'll tell you which league has to play as long as they can. The American League. Do you know why? Because they have the DH. Because they don't have to make pitching changes based upon lineup turning over, rallies coming up. So there's rallies coming up, and you know we can't have the pitcher bat here. So I'm going to bring thus and Mitch and whoever coming out of the bench. I don't know who Mitch is. Why did I make a pinch hitter named Mitch? Uh, that, that going to the bench and getting a hit, it's not critical. You can carry more pitchers on your staff in the American League. It's possible. If you have a guy who can, who can fill in on all the infield spots, another guy who can fill in for all the outfield spots, one more, you know, one more person for depth and to give everyone a, a night off and a backup catcher, you really only need four bench players at a time if you're an American League team. And if that's the case, you can have that extra arm. If that's the case, you can wait for the guy who's going to have today be his tossing day come in on the 13th, 14th, and 15th innings, if need be. 
And it's not going to come up that often. But you go and say, hey, it's an American League game. They can go as long as they want. In the National League, you can run out of pitchers a lot faster. You can run out of position players on the bench a lot faster. So that is my proposal. You keep the DH in the American League, and those games go on until the game is over. You have no DH in the National League, and there's a cutoff in the 12th inning to protect the pitcher's arms. Anything that shows a difference between the two leagues and makes an interleague game more intriguing, I'm for it. Then again, with that, then you have to do my other thing, which is expand by two more teams. This is the longest we've ever gone without an expansion since the first time baseball was expanded. There's plenty of new markets to pick teams from. So put a team in Montreal, put a team in Charlotte or Portland or Albuquerque or somewhere. And that way, you don't have an interleague game every day. You have interleague games the way they should be, which is in the middle of the season when, you know, when you're going through the dog days of the summer. Oh, there's a different kind of matchup, kind of intriguing. And that's when you do it. Give it a whirl. And the worst thing that happens is it doesn't work. Like the all-star game determining who gets home field advantage of the World Series. That was a nice idea. It was. It didn't work. But I was trying it out. But I'd say give it a shot. Now, if it never happens, I'm then fine. They will lower me into the ground like Mr. I with the pizza boxes, and I'll be just fine. But if you're saying they're going to give it a shot, I said, you know what? I'm listening. Like Paul Newman at the end of the Towering Inferno, I'm listening. Boy, my, my references are getting more and more obscure. Hey, um, I'm going to be setting up a voicemail box pretty soon. And if you have stuff you want me to talk about or stuff you want me to answer on the new rechristened version of the Sully Baseball podcast, um, I'm going to be all over it. Uh, send me some more requests of topics you want me to cover via Twitter at Sully Baseball because I'm going to be doing a version of the Sunday request on the new podcast. I'm, I'm doing all sorts of stuff right now, but I'm still dropping these here on this RSS feed because, you know, because I miss you all. I miss you all. Hey, let's check another one of the teams that should have won off the list as we get closer and closer to finishing that whole damn series. Um, Arizona. There's a fan favorite. Diamondbacks lost today. They got their butts kicked by the Cardinals, but, you know, they've been playing really, really well. And they are a playoff team. You know, the, the Rockies the, have been slumping, and they got off to the great start. And I said at the beginning of the year, I, I believe the Diamondbacks a lot more than the Rockies. And the Rockies are falling back to earth, and the best thing that happened to the Rockies is the fact that neither the Pirates, nor the Cardinals, nor the Mets, nor the Giants, or even the Cubs are having the year that anyone thought they would. So that may keep the Rockies afloat at least for a chunk of this summer. But Arizona has been playing great baseball and should be battling Los Angeles for the NL West title for the bulk of this year. And as I'm recording this right now, he may not lead the league in WAB, but Paul Goldschmidt would get my vote for the National League Most Valuable Player. He just would. He's just been that type of a player. And the team is clicking 
in the worst uniforms in all of baseball, but that's another reason why I think it's kind of cool. So the Diamondbacks are a team that were part of that last expansion. They played their first game in 1998. We've not had an expansion this century. I don't care where you fall on when centuries begin or end, but the centuries certainly didn't begin in 1998. So whether you're 2000 or 2001, it's been since 98 since the Rays and the D-backs showed up. Now, of course, the D-backs had success very early on. They're the fastest team ever to win a world championship. And so there's been not a lot of angst if you're a Diamondbacks fan. And, and that goes because when you think about the history of the Diamondbacks, they made the postseason their second year, 1999. They lost the division series to the New York Mets, but they were a playoff team. They were a team that looked pretty good. And, you know, they lost to the Mets on the walk-off homer by Todd Pratt, and maybe that was the Mets' year to have that great showdown with the Braves. But the D-backs had a hell of a team that year. Kind of slapped together. They were an expansion team, and it was Buck Showalter's team that he put together. As Buck Showalter is still looking for his first pennant. But that team, right out of the gate, gave Arizona fans something to cheer for. Of course, in 2001, they won the World Series in one of the greatest World Series in the history of baseball. And a franchise that was only four years old had its signature moment, which was the Luis Gonzalez single over Jeter's head. Now, that wasn't the most dramatic hit in that game. The most dramatic hit in that game was Tony Womack getting the game-tying single off of Mariano Rivera, unless we forget Tony Womack also got the walk-off single to clinch the division series against St. Louis. That should have been the Tony Womack postseason, but people remember not the game-tying hit, but the winning hit by Gonzalez. Made the postseason again in 2002, had a little bit of a drop-off, had a couple bad years, we're back in in 2007, had some drop-off, we're back in in 2011, had some drop-off, and they may be back in it, in 2017. It's really remarkable when you think about it as an Arizona fan, even though there have been some pretty low dips, some moments where there's not a lot to cheer for in Arizona, that there hasn't been long stretches, if you're an Arizona Diamondback fan, where you can say, oh man, it's been so long since we've been good. That's not true. 2011, it's not that long ago for a franchise that doesn't have the reputation of having great fan support or being a big, high-profile franchise. The fact that they lost on a walk-off hit by Milwaukee in the 2011 playoffs, they were that close to getting the NLCS and would have been probably favored against the St. Louis Cardinals. That wasn't that long ago. Before that, they were in the NLCS in 2007. You know, there's, there aren't long gaps for the Diamondbacks in the postseason. And for that reason, it makes it difficult to point to a team that should have won for this because there hasn't been the angst for this. And the team that did win had Randy Johnson, had Kurt Schilling, had Luis Gonzalez, 
had all the players that anyone associates with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and it's an all-time baseball moment. This is an example of a team that should have won one. The, the Diamondbacks, you know, what team should have won? The one that did. What combination of players in the history of the Arizona Diamondbacks would be better than the ones in 2001? So it, it's hard to pick a team for Arizona. Now, I took a good long look at a couple of these Arizona teams, which is something that probably you have not done. So when I look at the team in uh, 2007, or no, I've got the wrong team up here. In 2011, that was a team that had, you know, the Daniel Hudson's of the world, the Ian Kennedy's of the world. It was a strange pitching staff with some players who were kind of cobbled together there. But it was a team that had Justin Upton putting together one of his finest seasons, and you had the likes of Chris Young, and you had the likes of Miguel Montero, and you had the emergence of Paul Goldschmidt. Now, Justin Upton should be the greatest player in Arizona Diamondbacks history. They should have kept him. They should have tried to sign him long-term. And they didn't. Having him win a title in Arizona would have been really cool. And having Upton and Goldschmidt be World Series winners would be a wonderful thing for two of the best all-round players in the history of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And that 2011 team seemed to have a pretty decent stretch to go into the World Series had they got past Milwaukee and the hit by Niger Morgan. Did I say Junior Spivey earlier? Do I have Junior Spivey on the mind? I don't know. That would have been an interesting team. That would have been Kirk Gibson being a World Series winner. I'm not sure what I think about that. I was never a huge fan of Kirk Gibson as a manager. He always struck me as a guy who was, look, at, I have nothing against him as a player, but it was a lot of phony bravado as the team manager. You know, trying to be the big old tough guy and everything like that, which never really impressed me that much. I'll tell you, the team in 1999, what I found interesting about that as a potential one, Randy Johnson signing as a free agent, Buck Schulter being there, the thing that would have made that year interesting, not only would you have a world championship for Buck Showalter, of which would then make the rest of his career, even if it unfolded in the exact same way, to be really intriguing. When Buck leaves a team, they tend to go on to either win the World Series or, if in the Rangers' case, be one pitch away from winning the World Series. And to be able to say, the fastest team to ever win a championship be the Arizona Diamondbacks. This is a little bit like what I was talking about Colorado, that the run that they went on in 2007 would have made them one of the great stories in the history of baseball. Having the Diamondbacks be the fastest champion of all time is really intriguing for me. Now, the team in 2007, the thing that made, would have made that team interesting in terms of a legacy, you know, Randy Johnson was on that team, but he wasn't on the playoff roster. He was injured. And 
as a fan of Bob Melvin, having him win a World Series title would have been interesting, would have been, you know, would have been intriguing. You get him, you have that on his resume. The fact that the team was outscored, they had a negative run differential, and still got to the league championship series, still had home field advantage throughout the National League playoffs, would have been a testament to Bob Melvin, to be sure. But it also would have been something, it would have been stuck in the craw of everyone who turns to run differential, that you would have this great fluke, this great outlier. So, well, you know, the 2007 Diamondbacks, they were outscored. They won the damn World Series. I love things like that that could spark arguments and get people who are like, yeah, but that was an outlier. Because it would, people would go to that team, would point to that team, and say, well, the Diamondbacks did blank or the Diamondbacks did this, and thus and so. And so I really was weighing between those two teams because it would have been the long-term legacy of the Diamondbacks and in conversation. And I also thought about 2002 for this reason. The Diamondbacks won the World Series in 2001. That's true. They had the signature moment of Luis Gonzalez getting that hit. That is true. But when most people talk about the championship won by Arizona that year. It is similar to the way people talk about the Marlins championships in 1997 and 2003. They are not talked about in terms of how that team won, but rather how another team lost. The 97 Marlins are better remembered as being a team that the Indians blew the World Series to. The 2003 Marlins are best remembered as that team that happened to be at bat when Bartman leaned over for that ball. Those two years are looked upon in terms of the Indians and Cubs' failures and not in terms of Florida's success. And by that same token, the 2001 World Series is best remembered for the heroics of the Yankees in the wake of September 11th and the frustration the Yankees felt falling just short, just an inning short of delivering a World Series title, the fourth in a row for the fans of New York in the wake of the horrible tragedy. And so I thought about the 2002 team. Had they won? Had they beaten Anaheim? It would have been a boon for teams that have an A on their cap. But that would have been a championship for the Diamondbacks. It would have been most of the same squad. It would have been Bob Brenly, and people would have to shake their heads and God, Bob Brenly has won back-to-back World Series titles. And you would have had Schilling. You would have had Randy Johnson. Granted, Luis Gonzalez was hurt. But you had much of the same team. You would have had the band back together. And you wouldn't have had the emotion that was going against them. It was almost unpatriotic to root for the Diamondbacks, who were a wonderful story in 2001. I was rooting for the Diamondbacks because I hate the Yankees. But the entire country seemed to be rooting for the Yankees, and the Diamondbacks pulled off this amazing comeback, and the general thought was, oh, it's so sad. And people think mainly of the Yankees walking off the field and then Joe Torre looking sad. That this would have been a title free of patriotism. 
a title that would have just been Arizona's. So I, I narrowed it down to those three. And the one I decided to pick was 99. For the reason that they will always be the team that people would point to for an expansion. Not just in baseball. There's going to be expansion in hockey. Chances are there'll be expansion in basketball. There'll be expansion in football before you know it. And if the Diamondbacks won the World Series in 1999, and Buck Showalter was a World Series winner, and who knows what would have happened if they would even need to have traded for Kurt Schilling, and who knows how long Buck Showalter would have been the manager of the Diamondbacks had he won a world championship in their second year. That for all time, whenever there's an expansion in any sport, they would bring up the 99 Diamondbacks as, well, let's see how they do their second year. Will they top what happened in Arizona, the miracle in Arizona, and blah, 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 blah. And that being the legacy of the team, of the quickest to a title, and in fact, it would be brought up no matter the sport, and be a benchmark that would be pretty damn impossible to beat. That would mean you'd have to win it all your first year out of the gate. And that's just not going to happen. But your second year out of the gate, oh yeah, Arizona did that. Holy crap. It's one of those things, like getting a 300 in bowling, it's like you, you can only tie that. And for that reason, the Diamondbacks team that should have won was 1999. Because you know who won the 99 World Series? The Yankees, who won it in 98, and they won it in 2000. Do you know who lost the World Series that year? The Braves. No Braves fan remembers the 99 World Series. And do you know what? I have Yankee fan friends who have trouble remembering that World Series, too. It would have been the last World Series before the year 2000. Does that make you happy, people who call the beginning of the century 2001? Knock it off. And you could say before the calendars all flipped over, the Diamondbacks, representing the future of baseball, won it all. You would have bookended the World Series of 1903 and 1999 with the Boston Pilgrims beating the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Arizona Diamondbacks beating, if they beat the Yankees, imagine, that would have been Buck Showalter versus Joe Torre. There would have been a lot of really fun storylines in that. So all due respect to 2007 and what that would have meant for people and run differential, all due respect to 2002, which would have been a tragedy-free World Series. 99, the Diamondbacks team that should have won. So I'm going to drop a few more bonus ones because i got to keep plowing through these. But go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, so I have an iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been Sully Baseball, talking a little bit about the 12 innings and the Arizona Dimebacks. You know, like you do. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. As always, please call me Sully.